Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, and now on YouTube. Here to talk about some NBA stuff. Of course, we're in the middle of the conference finals. Now, unfortunately, said conference finals haven't been the most exciting in regards to dramatics or just a close game in general, but we do have some interesting takeaways. We have some stuff to talk about that could mean something moving forward into these series, into the finals. And then even more so with one specific thing I want to talk about in regards to the entire league and in regards to in regards to one player on his path to becoming a true superstar. So we're going to talk about the Mavs and the Warriors in a minute. First, I want to start off with the Celtics Heat series in which the Celtics now took the 3-2 lead with a dominant win over Miami. And I want to focus on one guy. That's Bam Adebayo. But first, a quick word from our friends over at DraftKings. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. You don't have to worry about a spread, the juice on the money line. If they win, $150 in free bets in your account. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs with DraftKings? Same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets from the same game, like which team will win, and then get some player props, maybe some total threes made. You like Luka Doncic, maybe on the rebounds and the assists. Who's to say? Boom, you have a bigger shot at a bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's time for Bam Adebayo to step up his offensive game and become a true scoring option that he has only shown flashes of to this point in his career. However, when I watch Bam Adebayo in these moments, When he decides to be aggressive, I see somebody with a plethora of moves, a great deal of touch, and somebody who should should not be teetering around 20 points per game, but should be well above 20 points per game on a very consistent basis. I went back and did a little bit of digging on his numbers. There's no overwhelming support at this point in time that he needs to be taking 15 or more shots per game, but I'm going to go ahead and say that that needs to become a thing as soon as possible. This past season, including the playoffs, he's the the Heat are 11 and 7 when Bam Adebayo takes 15 or more shots, which is a nice number but not an incredible one, but this team needs him to change how he plays offense. What he does for them is so key in regards to creating from the high post, being that intense screen and roll guy that he can be. But I think back to a man who has now won back-to-back MVPs in the NBA and that's Nikola Jokic. Circa 2018, circa 2019, when he was this passing wizard who was a nice scorer. And the big knock on him was, when's he going to learn how to just be aggressive and get his? He can do it. We see it in flashes. We see it sometimes when it matters most. Where is it all the time? 
Right now, after watching Bam Adebayo in this series against the Boston Celtics, I'm ready to say those same exact sentiments. This man has all he needs to have in his bag outside of a three-point shot. He can put the ball on the ground and attack the rim. He can make a pass as good as almost any big man in the league. He can attack offensive rebounds. He can be a screen and roll, and he can shoot from the mid-range with decent success. I think the three-point ball could and should come for him in due time, but even without that, he has the size, the athleticism to create his own shot inside the paint. And that's something he needs to do way more consistently. There comes a point when you're on a team like the Miami Heat, when Tyler Hero's hurt, and you're now relying on Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and Duncan Robinson to shoot 50% from three to just keep you in a game. Where Bam has to look at himself and say, it's my time. Jimmy doesn't have it right now. Even if he did, we need to be co-partners here. We need to be co-stars here. I can't rely on Jimmy's 38 if I'm only going to be out here taking nine shots tonight, right? It's time for Bam to become that more aggressive, more assertive offensive scorer in this league. Nikola Jokic is the perfect example. They're not identical in how they play. Obviously, Bam has an athleticism that Jokic does not reach. He's uh, Bam is above the rim. Jokic is below the rim. But a lot of those points, even for the most athletic of centers, the most athletic of rim runners, end up becoming the layups, the floaters, the turnarounds, the hook shots, the fadeaways from the elbow that, that becomes such a huge part of the arsenal. Even to talk about a much more traditional and most dominant player ever in Shaquille O'Neal, who was a post-maniac just dominating people down low, a number of his points nightly turnaround hooks, Shots from the middle of the paint, not just dunks. Yeah, the dunks were on the highlights all the time, but the footwork, the touch that he had in and around the rim and in and around the paint is what made him become a 25 to 30 point per game guy. Right? And now Bam can extend that a little bit more. It can open up the passing lanes for himself to find shooters, to find cutters. But it's time. When a team like the Miami Heat cannot find consistent offense in the half court, you need to look to your mismatches. And this guy can take slower bigs off the dribble and he can take smaller bigs into the blender and mix them up. Do I expect Bam Adebayo to be 28 points a game like Joel Embiid, like Nikola Jokic? I do not. But for him to be teetering at 19 points, at just 14 shots attempted per game, on the efficiency that he gets, it's extremely reasonable to expect him to be at 18 shots per game next year and the heat will be better off for it. Bam Adebayo is teetering. He's knocking at the door of superstardom, a guy who will be on all-star teams every single year, who will be a defensive player of the year candidate as long as he plays enough games, and a guy who will be looked at as an all-NBA team level guy with what he currently is right now. But if he and the Miami Heat need to take the next step into titles contender, which they are right now, into actual finals favorites, it's going to be on the shoulders of Bam Adebayo figuring out how to be an assertive scorer along with all the other amazing things he does so well. Because he does them. He checks all the boxes for what you want in a big man. Can guard every position, can bang down low, can rebound and block shots, can pass from the elbow extended, can screen and roll with the best of them. 
but what will unlock him and make him a near MVP caliber player. He's not going to be a top five player in the league, but he can put together one of those seasons where he's voted fourth in the MVP MVP ballot. He has that potential, but it needs to come when the offense follows or vice versa. (laughs) It'll follow when the offense comes all the way around. And if you think it's outrageous, just remember what we said about that man who's now won two MVPs, Nikola Jokic. Oh, man, he's awesome. But what's it going to mean if he's just going to be passing all the time, not asserting himself as a scorer when the Nuggets clearly need it? We saw what it's become. An MVP caliber guy with or without his co-stars. Bam Adebayo currently has a co-star in Jimmy Butler. He has some young talent and some shooters. But they need him to become a superstar to ascend to a 23, 25 point per game scorer. And he has it in him and it will happen. I think next year, but if they have any chance in this series, it has to be on the back of bam and Jimmy Butler, not Jimmy Butler with a hopeful sprinkle of bam offensive scoring. Otherwise in this series, man, I got to be honest here. The Jason Tatum side of things was interesting tonight. Cause we're talking in the group chat and you're seeing on Twitter and we're talking about Tatum and all his prowess. And then you talk about some of the struggles he's had where it seems like once per series, almost twice in this series now where it's an absolute dud. It's a stinker performance when, when he's bad, he's bad. He's really bad is the text I got tonight. Now, is that completely fair? I don't know. I think it might be because he's been freaking awesome or he's been very bad. When people say all or nothing, it implies that nothing comes around more often. That hasn't been the case. So let me be clear. Jason Tatum has been mostly all. But those few nothings have been very poor. Now tonight in the second half, he turned it around and completely shifted uh, how his game was looking and how this team ended up winning with great confidence tonight or last night. But what an interesting guy. Jason Tatum in the landscape of today's NBA on any given night. He's a top five player on every 15th night. It's like, is this guy even a number one, right? Well, you know, take that with a grain. I'm saying on those every once in a while nights, you say, how are we talking about this guy as one of those dudes? You know, Kevin Durant doesn't do this. Stephen Curry doesn't do that. 10 points. 10 points on 14 shots, 10 points on 19 shots. Both happen these playoffs. But there's a perseverance here with this Boston team, and it's led by now Jason Tatum, and I think it really is also led by Al Horford. Everyone talks about Marcus Smart as the heart and soul and the heartbeat of this team, but it's been Al Horford. And I think Horford coming back has been so huge for Tatum in the sense of, worrying about the, the the task at hand and not always the big picture leadership quality that is tough for somebody who's, yeah, he's in his six, seven season now, but somebody who hasn't been the number one that he wants to be, that we all see all the way to the end, all the way to a finals. So I'm, I'm impressed watching this guy. I'm impressed watching him play. It's strange when he goes four for 19 for 10 points in a playoff game because you think he's he's more untouchable than that. 
So I'm not here to say he's a top five player in the league. Yeah, I know it's a conversation that's been going on after he drops, you know, 46 in a playoff game because then it gets followed up by a 10 three games later, right? But he's there. He's close. It's impressive to watch. And I think what's so cool for me with Jason Tatum is you've seen the positive since day one. And then you hit this sort of plateau where he hit last year, where this team struggled, where they weren't accomplishing anything in which they thought they would. And even though Tatum's numbers were still a a certain type of special, it was obvious to anybody who watched them frequently that there was something missing, that there was something about his style and Jalen Brown's style that wasn't conducive to lifting up everyone around them. And now whether it be Ime Udoka, who deserves a lot of the credit, Smart or Horford, It is undoubtable now that Tatum's confidence with his teammates in the aspect of a game-in, game-out basis, he can handle everything that needs to be thrown at him. And everyone deserves a bad game here and there. But a stinker can't be 10 points when you're Jason Tatum, right? Because other guys in that ilk, they don't get that benefit. They don't get, you know, oh, he's young. It's okay. Oh, is he that young? He's almost 25 now. Right, he's been in the league now for a little while. So, as impressive as it is to watch, it's occasionally confusing with Jason Tatum when something like that happens. But the best part is you've seen now the growth, you've seen now the additions to his game, you've seen now the larger understanding of the full scoring playmaking wing that takes to lead to a finals. He's becoming that full package. Something that a year to a year ago, two years ago, I wasn't always seeing because I saw so much ISO, so much sidestep three, so much fade away from the corner. You need those in your bag. It's what makes him special. But to combine it with more of the same is not what gets you into the next level. It's combining it with the extra pass. It's combining it with the better playmaking skills, the better orchestration. Those things are truly coming together here. And now Jalen Brown, on the other hand, and his inability to dribble, well, <laughs> that's just bizarre. I mean, he's never had the best handle. He's never been the, the best playmaker. But the Heat are showing something here about Jalen Brown and his ball handling that is uh, a little frightening for a Celtics fan. However, it hasn't much mattered yet. I think the Derek White addition has been huge, and he deserves some credit because uh, even though – His shooting has been poor, to say the least, in most of this series. A lot of the other stuff that he's doing is supplementing the weaknesses of Jalen Brown, of Marcus Smart, of Jason Tatum. Breaking down the defense, making the right pass, playing hard on defense, being cerebral. So Derek White, you know, he'll get a pass in my book if he's missing jumpers if he's making plays on offense and defense in other ways, in every way possible. And that's why the Celtics are going to win this game. That's why this series, that's why they're going to be, I think if not favorite, it's going to be just about even going into the next series with the Warriors. Because this team's got depth. It's got balance. And when you have a guy like Tatum who can do 30 per game over the course of a series, who may not have a four for 10, uh, 12, 10 point stinker, because it's not like it happens every day. It seems to happen every week and a half. It might not have that against the Warriors in the finals. 
if they so get there, of course. This team's strong. We were worried about the Heat's ability to score in the half court against this Celtics defense. Guess what? That's the case. They got balance. They got shooting. They got versatility. Celtics are no joke team. It's fun to watch for the most part. Sometimes it's annoying. But it's impressive to see a team that's been in our forefront. It's been in our eyeballs now for five years since Tatum's rookie season. Since Jalen Brown was a young one where they're making a conference finals before they ever should have. And we waited for the full package. We say, oh, they're great. They got so much time. They got years together to grow on this. And then a couple years in the middle there, a little bit disappointing. But now five years later, after that original conference finals run here, we're seeing the growth. And we're seeing a lot of the stuff that gets... Uh, portrayed as their their negatives, their weaknesses earlier on, now being changed for the better. To make a very strange comparison here, I remember doing a podcast about Carson Wentz over this course of the season before the final meltdown. And my, my main point was when he was the quarterback for the Eagles, the big, big question mark, all the negatives that we pointed towards him had to do with turning the ball over, playing hero ball, not making smart decisions, trying to do too much, right? And what he did in Indianapolis was make the wise decision, play a little bit more conservative, truly cut down those turnovers. All the things we asked of him. To that, I thought he deserved credit. Now, did he deserve credit for blowing it in the final two weeks of the season? Absolutely not different story but the Celtics deserve credit in the same regard not enough uh, orchestration from their point guards Marcus Smart steps up not enough playmaking from their wing and Jason Tatum and their superstar he rounds out his game Al Horford can he really do it yes he can he's back and he's as good as ever Grant Williams can he really shoot yes he can Can the defense withstand opposing offenses coming at them? Can they become truly elite into the playoffs? They're doing it now. So all the things that were slightly holding them back over the past five years, they've gotten better at individually and as a team. And that's really all you can ask for as a fan. Whether you're a Celtics fan or just an NBA fan like myself who watches these teams over the course of years. And I've been frustrated on this very podcast about Brown and Tatum for understanding how much talent they have and not always putting it in the right direction. When the adjustments are made and things move to where you thought they should, you have to tip your hat. So that's what I do here to the Boston Celtics. Shout out to them. One more win to make the finals. uh, A run that, not even at the beginning of the season, but a month and a half into the season, nobody was calling. Three months into the season, it seemed like a long shot. The analytics must be wonky. They must be off here. Nope. Point guard play has been legit. Jason Tatum's been awesome. Jalen Brown's doing his thing. Al Horford is back. Like he never left in Boston. Probably never should have. And this is a real team. Team with a serious chance to win the NBA Finals. First, we got to talk about the Warriors. And we're back to talk about the Dallas Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors. Now, obviously, the Warriors uh, with the stranglehold on the series. They're up 3-1 
over Dallas, going back to Golden State as seven-point favorites to try to take this thing home, get to their sixth NBA Finals with this regime of Kerr and Curry and Draymond and Clay and that Iguodala. Throw it out there. Counts. Count it. Two. But we're not talking about the Warriors that much at the moment. We got to talk about the Dallas Mavericks first. I want to talk about Luka Doncic and this idea that the heliocentric offense is never going to work and it can't work around somebody like Luka. Now, the obvious answer and the simple one is that, yes, it can when you have Luka, and that's basically it. Unless you have Luka, then you have no chance, right? And even with that being said, there's many people who don't believe in this idea that one person can truly run the show to the extent that Luka does, to the extent that James Harden did, uh, amongst other players over the course of the past five to seven years. You know, you think Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, um, even Jokic and Embiid to that matter, right? You, you know, you could probably argue a little bit less so with Jokic because the amount of times he moves the ball on a simple possession, uh, Joel Embiid the same because he needs to be fed a lot of the time. So it's not like he's just bringing it up, dribble, dribble, dribble. Other people are touching it, but you get the point. Luka Doncic can be one of those guys. He is one of those guys. And the fact that they made it to where they are right now tells me all I need to know. Because unless Luka Doncic has a true number two, or even to go as far as to say 1B, like Giannis has a Middleton, like LeBron had Anthony Davis a few years back, like Steph has Clay and Jordan Poole, like Tatum has Horford Brown smart, right? Unless you have those, I'm not going to sit here and say Luca can't. Because James Harden being the easiest comp to this, yeah, that's the easiest one where you can say, James Harden was that dude. It never worked in the playoffs. It didn't get over the hump. There's two differences here. And first and foremost, it's between Luka and Harden. And now what they've done showing up in the games that matter most in the playoffs. As much as I've defended Harden on this very podcast over the years, as much as I loved watching him play for a long time in his career, you can't argue against the fact that he has a damning playoff history where he doesn't show up in the biggest moments, where he doesn't get the shots and the calls that he hits all year to fall in the playoffs, to happen in the playoffs. And even with that being said, when he was at his peak and he was the heliocentric one-man show that many people don't like, that many people say can't work, the proof was in the pudding when that Houston Rockets team had the lead on the Golden State Warriors 3-2 to two in that Western Conference Finals when it was probably the best Warriors team of the bunch, the one of the best teams in NBA history. Now you could argue they lost, and the heliocentrism maybe ended up killing them in the end when they couldn't make three, couldn't make any three because guys weren't in, they weren't in rhythm, they're not accustomed to doing what they were asked in those moments because they're so used to James doing everything, yada, yada. Right. But to me, the proof was there. To me, it was proven out in that series that it can work if one thing is proper. And it's if you have another elite level talent. Sounds like a lot to ask, but I'm not talking about an elite level all around player to be your exact identical twin. Right. We're not saying that Luca or James Harden 
You need another guy who's going to average 30, 10, and 8. But what James Harden had in that Western Conference run there where they had a true chance to beat one of the best teams ever in the Golden State Warriors was an elite playmaker in Chris Paul and a very good defender. Chris Paul wasn't, at that point in time, the Chris Paul from the Hornets days, Chris Paul from early Clippers days, hell, even the Chris Paul we saw for the regular season here with Phoenix. But he was elite at at certain things, and he was able to lift them in certain ways. Right now, looking through the Dallas Mavericks roster, they don't have anybody else who's elite at anything. You can argue that Dorian Finney-Smith is entering a a near-elite-level defensive player, but even that, that's not going to quite do it when we're talking about specifically the offensive side with the heliocentrism, right? Because defensively, the one-man show on offense, in theory, doesn't make too much of a difference on the defensive side. You're obviously going to need good defensive players and a good defensive team. That's right. Everyone gets that. Jalen Brunson's very good. Finney Smith and Bullock have been good shooters. Kleba has been pretty hit or miss in the playoffs here. Some huge three-point shooting games, some non-existent ones, right? But none of those other players send a shock, send fear into opposing defenses. You can argue that Brunson's a handful, and he's a lot to deal with, and he's very good. But I don't think Jalen Brunson is an elite-level player. I don't think he'll be vouching for an all-star appearance very soon. Maybe he can be the end of a end of an all-star, maybe a replacement level player, uh, all-star roster player. But even still, it's a stretch. It's one of those players who maybe if he goes to a certain team, now he's taking 19 shots a game. He's averaging 24. He gets a nod. Okay. But if we're all being honest, and I do think Jalen Brunson is fantastic. I don't think he's a one B. I don't think he's a true two. If Brunson's on your team and you're expecting to be a finals contender, you need him to be a third option, right? So when it comes to the makeup of this Mavericks team, I don't know, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say who they can or cannot get in trades or in free agency or whatever to be that number two, that one B to Luka Doncic, but I'm saying that it's possible. And I'm saying that with Luka at the helm, I'm never going to, look at their offense and say, it's too Luka-centric. It's too much of a one-man show. I don't believe that to be the case because I see how he handles that compared to our more recent option in James Harden, who never came up clutch. Luka comes up clutch. He hits tough shots in all of these games. He ends up with the stats in all of these games. He's one of the best passers throughout the entire year and so far in the playoffs. Right. So it's not the same as Harden, not the same as Russell Westbrook. This guy is 100% built different. And I think that even with this roster he has around him now, we'll see him in many conference finals again. But until there's at minimum a Chris Middleton level player, a Chris Paul like 85% version of Chris Paul, who's kind of banged up on the Rockets level player. Or I'm not saying he needs a Hall of Fame point guard on his side, right? But I'm saying another elite level player in any regard. I'm not going to criticize Luka Doncic. Now, if he starts shooting up, you know, four for 20s, dropping 12 points, then we could have a conversation. But 
while he's here, putting up 30 points, 14 rebounds, nine assists, and it feels regular, and it feels like he could have done a little bit more, you're not going to catch me criticizing him the way he plays or the way the Mavericks are running the show. I think this has been a huge success for them this season. I don't think people expected them to make it this far. They should be incredibly proud and incredibly confident that they now have strings to reach for and to pull something to make this right for them to not just be in the Western Conference Finals once and not back again. I expect them to be back consistently, and I expect a finals appearance for Luka Doncic in the next two seasons. So including this one, I'm saying three, but two, the next two seasons, I think Luka being who he is by himself with the Mavericks being a franchise willing to take risks, willing to try to make something happen because they know what they have at their fingertips right now. They'll be in the finals in the next two seasons. And we won't be saying it's Luka's one-man show mentality, heliocentrism with the 30-plus usage percentage. That means anything negative. We're going to look at that and say, it don't work for most teams, but it works for Luca because that is a bad, bad man. All right, though. Warriors going to make it to the finals. I, right? You know, that is what it is. The Warriors deserve it. They're incredibly fun to watch. And that gives us the opportunity to talk more about the Warriors, you know, at depth going into the finals rather than banking on it here where we assume they're going to take care of business in the next one or two games against Dallas and make it to the finals. If I'm wrong, I'd love to see it because that'd be crazy. But let's be honest, this has not exactly been the closest playoffs. Um, We've had three minutes and 12 seconds of crunch time basketball over this entire conference finals, East and West combined. Just over three minutes of crunch time basketball. That means within five points in the final few minutes of a game. Hasn't been very close. So that's tough. So we're not going to be talking about Dallas forever. Seems like Celtics are going to take care of business perhaps as well. So we won't be talking about the Heat forever. We'll have more chances to talk about Boston and Golden State moving forward, I assume. But for now, I'm tipping my cat, my cap here to Luka Doncic. Special, special player. I mean, he makes me like move on my seat. He makes me audibly gasp sometimes on plays that don't even lead to buckets because this guy boofed the shot or they couldn't catch the pass. This guy sees the court so different and it's so incredible. I can't wait to watch him for years to come and in the finals within the next two years. You heard it here first. That's all we got for today. My name is Pete Kennedy. Subway Sports Talk. Two short ones on YouTube. One relatively short one on your podcast apps. Hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did go to subway sports talk on Apple podcast app, leave a rating and a review and subscribe. Cause we, we love seeing you guys coming back to listen. I appreciate every single one of you who turned on uh, and, and hear what I have to say, spend some time with us on a given day in a given week. It really, it, it means so much to me. It's very cool to think anyone's out there listening and then to see people, Every episode, just tuning in and and being here over the years is special. So thank you, YouTube as well. Subscribe, hit the notifications button. You know what to do. If you haven't seen my thoughts on Bam Adebayo, go check that out in the other YouTube. If you listen on the podcast app, I assume you already heard it. If you skipped it for some reason, go back. It's a good point. Bam's got to go off. Let's go. All right, so much more talk. 
We'll talk soon. Thank you guys for listening as always. Cheers.